It's Thursday, the 3rd of February, 2022, and you're listening to episode 52 of Reds Unrestricted. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. Well, I'm your host, David Comerford, and I'm joined, as usual, by Dan Club and Chloe Bloxham. Today, we're going to talk largely about the transfer window, the players Liverpool managed to get, or I should say the player, Liverpool managed and the one that they missed out on in Fabio Cavallo. And then we'll talk a bit about outgoings and finish the podcast by looking ahead to the game against Cardiff on Sunday. But before that, uh, we're going to talk about the League Cup final because um, I think I'm right in saying both both of you, Chloe and Dan, managed to get tickets. You were successful in the ballot. So obviously you're both buzzing about that. But I'm wondering if it's the first time you will have watched Liverpool at Wembley. Uh, Chloe, is it yours? No, um, I've been a couple of times. Uh, the last one was the Community Shield uh, against Man City, of course. And we should have absolutely buried them. And we yeah. just missed how many chances. It was absolutely ridiculous. Um, so many chances went missing in that match. Um, but it was a Community Shield. So, you know, it wasn't all doom and gloom. It was, it was a decent day out. But this is going to be bigger. Community Shield doesn't really mean anything this is this is a trophy that uh classes as a major trophy so this you know i'm expecting unbelievable atmosphere outside the ground i'm expecting a massive build-up i mean i'm already excited now and like you know i've still got to buy me tickets and everything um but the levels of excitement right now like every hour i just seem to realize oh my god you've got a ticket and i just get really excited every hour so um yeah really looking forward to it yeah, that's that's great. I remember that Community Shield game where we um obviously we lost on on penalties, but mm-hmm. we'd uh, we pretty much bossed them in the second half. So I think I came out of it, you know, feeling quite encouraged um going into the season. And that obviously proved to be the case, I suppose, because we kind of walked all over them, didn't we? Dan, what about you? Is it your are you a bit of a Wembley veteran with Liverpool? Not necessarily a veteran though, under that folks. Obviously Wembley was out of commission for quite a long period. Um Yeah. And, you know, I'm not as old as, you know, veteran status, I'd like to think. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, I did also go to that Community Shield game. Chloe was like, yeah, um, I was there for that. But that is my only visit to Wembley uh, with Liverpool. So, yeah, massively looking forward to this final. Made up my first time successful in a ballot as well. So, there's that tick Same. off the box. Yeah, that's that's a pretty big achievement in itself. If you, you could gauge the mood of most of Liverpool fan base on Twitter yesterday by what happened in that ballot. But yeah, like Chloe says, you know, delighted to be going down. Um, and hopefully, you know, unlike the Community Shield, get to see us lift something this time. Yeah, I saw a tweet from the uh, Liverpool account before uh, the ballot results came out. And I think it said there was a 1 in 1.6 chance or something of being successful. But it seems like you, you two are almost... I've not really seen many people beyond you two have actually managed to be successful. So whether my Twitter feed has been particularly unfortunate or whether those odds are maybe a little bit on the optimistic side, I'm not sure. But yeah, hopefully um, it's a day to remember for you two. And hopefully you can really add to that chorus of booze that I'm sure will greet the national anthem at the start. I'd expect, I'd expect nothing less from either of you. Let's move on to things which are far more relevant. And we'll start with Luis Diaz. Obviously, when we recorded our episode last week, it was pretty much, I think, on the eve of everything 
sort of exploding uh, with that particular transfer. Um, I woke up on Friday morning and <laughs> I just like, yeah, my, my head just went basically as soon as I uh, picked up my phone and, and saw what was going on. Um, similar actually to the uh, the Tiago transfer, I think, because it was kind of quite early in the morning when that one broke. Uh, so we're going to talk about that in in a lot of depth. But I think before we get into the sort of, you know, rating the transfer, thinking about what he might bring, the implications for certain players and all that, I think we should just talk generally about being excited about a new player coming to Liverpool. So, Chloe, I'll start with you. Just initial reaction to the sign and how buzzing were you when you sort of found out on that morning last week? I was over the moon. I think the thing is, is something like a sign and puts in perspective right now how exciting it is to support Liverpool Football Club. Um, and I think it was like the, you know, the cherry on top of the the cake in the sense of I felt personally, you know, we, we got to a, a League Cup final, unbelievable, massive. Then City dropped points. And I don't want to say we're back in the title race, but for sure I sit here with all hope in my heart that we are in a title race. And I do believe that we can put some performances together um, and we can go on an unreal run. And I really hope that along that run, Man City end up dropping points. And I think if we can get to the Etihad with a maximum of a six-point gap and we can reduce it to three, um, you know, I, I was so, like, that would be brilliant. Um, and I'm so excited at the fact that you've got into a League Cup final, you've then... You might be back in the title race where a couple of weeks ago it seemed absolutely impossible and it seemed like half of LFC Twitter was on fire at times. Um, and then you, you have a, a transfer window, which you expect absolutely nothing from. And then out of the, the blue, um, you know, if anyone had woken me up at 7am, I'd, I'd be fuming. But my phone was going off and instead of just muting it, I decided to get up and look at it and... I was absolutely made up. I couldn't get back to sleep. I was that excited. Um, and I think we've all been wanting more more strength. That is the, the thing that we've said for years. City and Chelsea have more squad depth than us. And that is where we maybe lose out. On paper, 11 v 11. You know, if we put our best 11 out, we can win the league every day of the week. But sadly, that's not how it works. You've got to have an entire squad. Um, and I think the signing of Luis Diaz, such a young player, he fits the Klopp style, he's everything Klopp would want in a player, and you know he's getting to the part where he's not yet at his peak, he's building up to it, and the peak that he probably would have had in Porto in the next couple of years, well, that's going to be doubled, maybe tripled, because he's got Jürgen Klopp as his manager, um, and like it just makes you so excited. You've got a new face, you've got someone to support, someone who can set, you know, the the league on fire, another player, um, and what a star quality player he is. So yeah, right now I'm just like I'm. It's brilliant to be a Liverpool fan, and um, I'm actually enjoying it. And hopefully the Reds can keep it up with, you know, good run of form and everything going on. And it's also the fact that everyone's coming back from injuries. You've got the Afcon where people come back as well. So it just feel it feels like the beginning. It feels like the eve of the beginning of the season to me right now, because I've got that excitement. And I truly believe the title race is, like could be back on. So, yeah, just full of excitement and the sign and just put it all into perspective of how lucky we are to support this football team, the players who we managed to get, the manager who we've got leading us. And also, you know, not many people are going to a League Cup final. There's only two teams going and we're one of them. Um, and we're also, you know, second in the league could potentially push 
City uh, still a long way to go. So yeah, just a really exciting time. You touch on a really important point there about how, you know, the start of January um, on the back of maybe slipping up as we did against Chelsea, where we had obviously the two goal lead and, and let it go. I think everyone was kind of braced for a bit of a, a rough month um, with Salah and Mane gone. And, you know, the performances had sort of slipped a little bit. City were putting a distance between themselves and the rest of the league. And yeah, you're starting to think it's just going to be a bit of a grueling period. But if anything, and we've come out a bit emboldened, you know, we've still got an outside chance in the Prem, as you say, going to the League Cup final. And, uh, you know, we've significantly strengthened our squad now by addressing what was probably a major sort of um, weakness in there and and getting the the added depth in as well. So I think you, you bang on about that. Um, and, uh, you know, as you say, it does now, it feels like it would have been a, Almost a bit of a difficult time to be a red and a bit of a dispiriting one, but if anything, it's a more exciting one. Yeah, for sure. And I think also when you think of it, something I didn't even include there, Champions League. We are in the Champions League. We've got Inter Milan, a massive game, um, round 16. Like, we're the only team, and it might be far-fetched, but at the moment we can say it, we are the only team who could potentially do the quadruple. And it's not necessarily that we're going to do it, but it's exciting to have the opportunity. And um, also with the squad that we have, literally anything can happen. Um, So, yeah, uh, really excited for the Champions League as well. Hopefully, you know, with all the buzz that is going on around Liverpool Football Club right now, that stadium at Anfield can be absolutely electric and it better be for every single game because I believe that we've got a chance to push City so everyone else in that stadium better get behind the lads and, and try and help them as much as we can because we've got an uphill, uphill battle. But, you know, these are the things that, as a football fan, you absolutely adore. Going head-to-head with someone, being in with a chance, never letting up on the hope that maybe it could happen. And if it does happen, what, what an amazing comeback it does. And if it doesn't, well, let's go and win something else. Um, and we have the opportunity to do that. So, yeah, I, I do hope everyone in the ground feels as excited and wants to sing their heart out and support the lads as much as I do in this moment. 100%, yeah. And, you know, those, you touch on the Champions League, so I think those are probably my favourite games in the Champions League because, you know, I'll, I'll be going into it thinking that Liverpool are still one of really the three, four best teams in Europe. And, you know, Inter Milan are a really good side, but I think Liverpool will be too strong for them. So you have that sort of confidence going into it, but you also are able to recognise the magnitude of the game and the magnitude of the clubs involved. So it feels like a really, you know, really hype Champions League tie from that point of view. And I think the other thing I'd say is, you know, you talk about the being in the four competition still. I don't think you're going to find many Liverpool fans who genuinely expect a quadruple because, you know, it's it would be kind of an extraordinary thing. And obviously there is still a big gap in the, in the Prem, but it's about... You know, I think, as you sort of touched on, it's about having that hope. Because that's the main thing, really, as a football fan, is having that hope. And, and you know, you look across the rest of the season, there is so much possibility still um, that we can have a lot of success. So it'd be interesting to sort of go along for the ride, I suppose. But, Dan, I want to bring you in on this. Um, just sort of same kind of question, really. Your excitement um, around, I suppose, the Diaz sign, but also... Um, following on from what Chloe said, just generally about how things are at the, at the club at the moment. Yeah, um, things looking, you know, like you guys both touched upon, sort of over Christmas time, there was cause for a little bit of 
I suppose pessimism is the word because the results had dipped slightly. We were all bracing ourselves to lose, you know, Salah, Mane and Keita. Thiago kept picking up injuries and things just seemed to be, you know, City would look just unstoppable. So things just seemed to be falling off a little bit. Um, fast forward four weeks. We were unbeaten in January without those players I mentioned. We've signed Luis Diaz. We got very close to another signing in Fabio Carvalho. Hopefully one that's done for the summer. And we've actually cut the gap on Man City. So, you know, and not only that, you know, how often have we been able to say we're still fighting on all four competitions come February? You know, hardly ever, even in the Jurgen Klopp reign because of his sort of disdain, although he won't admit it, to domestic cup. So, yeah, it's it's massively exciting um, going into this. Obviously, the business end of the season, it's hard not to be, you know, looking forward to it. Um, especially, like you say, when you've already got a ticket boxed for the final, it's, it's a great time to be in red. But in terms of the Diaz signing, um, it was a crazy morning, let's put it that way. I'd actually set myself up for quite a nice relaxing Friday that was soon thrown out the window by the Colombian journalists at first. And then obviously your James Pierce's and Paul Joyce's of the world really put the cat amongst the pigeons. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited by the signing of Diaz. Um, he is a player, like Chloe says, who just looks like he's coming into the peak of his powers. Um, if you look at all the stats, men, and they've done the work, obviously, in the aftermath of the signing, everything, he looks to tick every single box that Jurgen Klopp would want in an attacker. Um, his end product is already there by the looks of it. If you see some of his goals and the highlight reels and all that, he just looks a high-class operator. And I know a lot of it's been in the Portuguese top flight, but Champions League as well. He looks a serious player. Um, obviously, we'll go into sort of the minutiae of what it means for the people and where he might fit in as we go on. But, you know, overall, delighted because I think we've got sort of the next revolution of this side, a part of it anyway, in Luis Diaz. Um, so, yeah, it, it is it is a really good time to be a Liverpool fan. Um, so, yeah, obviously now we've got seven attacking options, senior genuine attacking options to try and fit into free spaces for the rest of the season, which is a position that we haven't been in very often. So, yeah, it's, it's good. It's all good. Yeah, I mean, I suppose you mentioned that sort of caveat about the the Portuguese league and, you know, that is obviously the kind of qualifying factor here. But I think the... You know that league it seems to be a one of the best talent factories in 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 Europe, if not the world, yes, at the moment. You know, definitely, the, yeah. The the extent of young talent that's coming through it, really, Benfica, Sporting, and Porto is is really impressive. So, you know, that's not something that I'd be sort of concerned about in any way. And I think you know before we move on to to, to sound a bit more depth, you know, I don't think any of us expected anything really in January. You know, maybe. The, the Cavalio deal when that was first mooted, we were like, yeah, that might be something that we might do, sort of a plan for the long term future kind of signing, you know, less than 10 million, um, fairly low key, but still, you know, decent bit of business. But then obviously, this Diaz deal comes not out of nowhere because he's a player we've been linked with in the past, but in terms of there being a serious chance of yeah. signing him in January, it was a bit out the blue. So I think we've I got think Tottenham to thank, haven't we? I think we've got Tottenham to yeah, thank for that. We have, we have indeed. And to sort of stay with that, let's let's talk about the um the deal itself first of all. So Liverpool are paying 37 million up front, possibly rising to 49 million um if various add-ons are met. And obviously when you have add-ons like that, it's like you don't ideally want to be having to be paying more money, obviously, but 
if they're triggered, then it means the players either done brilliantly or the club's enjoyed the period of the success. So you're not really going to be too bothered about it. So it's kind of a win-win from from that point of view. But I'll I'll come back to you, Dan. Um, are you looking at that and thinking fair price for for Diaz, um, a player of his sort of level and the stages that in his career, or do you think maybe even better than that that it could prove to be another major bargain? I'm thinking the latter, to be honest with you. When you consider what FC Porto wanted originally, um, we've knocked a good 15, 20 million off that. Um, and I think that's in part due to a lot of negotiation on Tottenham's behalf, um, getting the price down that we might have capitalised on. And also, I think Porto were in need of money um, to pay off UEFA. I think they had sort of sanctions coming down the line. So we've we've jumped on a situation, obviously. Um, but yeah, when you look at Liverpool sort of recent track record of signings and in particular, you know, value for money, you'd have to say this looks like on paper another one of them. And um, that in sort of 18 months time, we could all be sitting around like we're doing with Jogo Jota and saying, God, we underpaid for Jota by quite a considerable margin. There's all, whenever Jota does anything sort of spectacular, there's always that tweet that circulates um, from a Wolves fan when the signing was made. Essentially laughing at the fee paid. I think it's forty-two million. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you know, at the time, he might have thought that was relevant because when you look back and you look at his stats for Wolves, he was a good player there. But you know, he didn't really set the world alight. But then, obviously, now that tweet looks really naive, and what he's done since looks like a great piece of business from Liverpool's perspective. So every time we sign someone now. You know, it probably wets the whistle of Liverpool fans that little bit more because the the recruitment's been so good, we don't expect them to miss. So if they're willing to pay, you know, the 37 and a half and et cetera for Diaz, you think, God, they must really want this lad. And similar with the Carvalho one, if they were willing to get the deal done in January, like it looked like they were, they must really, and Klopp must really want them. So it is that little bit more exciting because we've got that track record now of nailing the recruitment. There are a couple of ones we could debate if we really needed to since Klopp's been around, but generally speaking, it's been pretty bob on the money every time. So when you factor in the money we spent on Diaz, A, it's less than the release clause. It's also less than what Porto wanted originally. And given what we've been doing, you'd have to say it could end up being a bit of a bargain. It seems to be the case, isn't it, that at the start of the window, we did want Diaz, but we looked and we looked at his release clause really and thought, no way, like that's that's way above what we'd be willing to pay. And then it wasn't. I think the way it's been presented is almost that. I think the phrase that was used in the the Athletics article was like Liverpool were grateful to Tottenham for negotiating the fee down, which maybe isn't kind of how it panned out. I would have thought it might be the case that Liverpool got wind from sort of people close to the deal. Yeah, that Porto were actually willing to sell for quite a bit less. So if anything, Tottenham sort of alerted them to the possibility. And then it became a case of really the player and his entourage, I suppose, choosing, you know, Liverpool's the more attractive proposition. I think even if maybe he'll get less game time in the immediate future, obviously the club's in a much better position at the moment than than Tottenham is. And, you know, you mentioned these deals for the Jota and, and other players in the past. And it made me sort of realise that those Deals were sort of questioned by some at the time. I think Jota even less so than Salah and Mane because with Salah, Virgil like Van Dijk as well. Virgil Van, Van Dijk, Dijk as well. Like you can throw yeah. him to the mix. But even like Van Dijk, that's you know that was a 
I think it was a record, wasn't it, for a uh, a defender at the, at the time? It might still be. Actually, it was no, Maguire, at the time, Maguire, 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 Maguire yeah. is a... Less said about that, the better. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the Salah and Mane ones, I think the price tag was like, it's not like a ridiculous price tag, but, you know, it's a, still a lot of money. And people thought, well, Salah's flopped at Chelsea. Mane is obviously, you know, we know what people have at his best, but people, I think, looked at him and thought he's sort of a flash-in-the-pan kind of player. Um, because he did seem to have spells at Southampton where he, you know, didn't make that much of an impact. So they were both sort of questioned, I think. And you can look back, you know, you often see those tweets, don't you? Where it's like, oh, look, scroll through the replies to this tweet, and you've even got Liverpool fans saying, oh, what are the club doing? Kind of thing, kind of Ben maybe from years of dodgy recruitment um, under previous managers. But in this case, I don't think anyone is laughing at the fee at all. I think people are sort of, if anything, the overriding reaction is, wow, Liverpool have got a really good deal out of this. And I actually saw a Portuguese football expert. I can't remember his name right now, but um, yeah, I was I was looking through his Twitter feed for some insights about Diaz, and essentially he said that he couldn't really believe that Porto would find themselves in a position where they're having to sell him for this amount. So obviously, they had the release clause, but as you alluded to, Dan, financial issues meant that really they've had to sell him for for quite a bit less, and we've obviously you know benefited on benefited on that score. So. Yeah, really smart business, I think, for Liverpool. And uh, another one that's shaping up to be, obviously, you never know how this is going to pan out, but, you know, you think it's shaping up to be another hit rather than a miss. And, you know, more generally, again, like you said, Dan, very rare that Liverpool do get it wrong in the market. I think, you know, the cases where it's debatable, a lot of the time injuries are playing a pass as well, um, which isn't really a reflection of the quality of the player, maybe just the um, the wisdom of... of uh, investing in them but uh let's move on to um to other player i suppose and his kind of profile and i'll start with you on this one chloe i think we've obviously seen diaz um well most of the pool fans will have seen him at least twice um because of the the champions league matches Um anyone who watched the copper america where he was very impressive would, would have seen them then as well but um i think a lot of us speaking for myself here anyway would uh I've spent a lot of this week watching clips, reading articles, trying to get a bit of a sense of what he's all about beyond those kind of limited glimpses that we've had. So what is the one kind of feature of his game or sort of characteristic that, that struck you in kind of the, the research, I suppose, you will have done about, about Diaz in the past week? I don't think there's a distinct feature. I think it's more the fact of his mould. I think altogether, he is your Manny Salah type of player. Um, he's got bags of talent. His skill is outrageous. He's got the pace to beat someone and get to the byline. Um, I think he's had 19 goal contributions in 18 games so far this season, obviously in the Portuguese league. Um, and for me, when watching him, he looks like a Jurgen Klopp player. It's not the fact that, you know, he's. I, I think he's an all-round unbelievable player. And what comes with him doing that is there's a lot of footballers in this world that we know that have bags of talent but the work rate's not there. With Diaz, it doesn't look like that. It looks like his work rate is impeccable. Um, and we should know by now that Jürgen Klopp doesn't go for anyone whose work rate is not there. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's more he moulds he mold into the to the side. You can picture him up to, like playing up top for us. Um, and you can see his style of playing. You can imagine how he'd play on that wing. So, yeah... Um, I've just been really impressed with 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 everything, his skill, his paces, um, his strength as well. Um, some of the goals he's scored is absolutely outrageous. So 
Um, it, it's more uh, of the fact that you think he's got absolutely a bit of everything and Jürgen Klopp can elevate that by so much more. Um, and as you mentioned, Mane, Salah, these weren't world, you know, beaters when they came here, but my Christ, they are now and they have been in the last however many years. Um, and if Diaz gets that consistent level, we could have another absolute superstar on our hands. Um, and he, he literally could um, do a bit of everything for us. So, yeah, um, I'm just really excited to see him play. I can't wait um, because, obviously, he seems a really humble lad as well, I think, from his Instagram posts and everything. He can't thank Porto enough for everything that they've gave him. And I think he realises that, you know, each stage of his career, the team that he's been with has made him into what he is now. Um, and can you imagine him under Jurgen Klopp in several years' time uh, alongside Jota and whoever else, Harvey Elliott, uh, Carvalho, if we can manage to get him? You know, there is a, a plot there being built, uh, built a foundation there that uh, could be our, our future squad. So, um, yeah, just, just really excited to, to see him in a red shirt and let him, you know, with the support around him, hopefully a decent song for him. Um, hopefully he absolutely likens the crowd and he adores the, the stadium and uh, gives us a bit of flair whilst playing. Well, on that song, I'll tell you now, if Pablo Escobar isn't mentioned in that song, I'll, I'll give you each 100 quid because that's how confident I am be. that it'll feature in, in the cops in the cops lyrics for him. But um, yeah, I'll, I'll come on to that thing about the sort of future team taking shape in a minute, but before I let you come in on this, Dan, I just wanted to touch on something Chloe said about how humble he was. Because the thing that struck me most of all, I think, wasn't necessarily a footballing thing or a you know current footballing thing. It's the details about his uh, his background. Um, so it was in the um, article that the Athletic put out, um, and essentially. He was apparently the quote is ridiculously skinny when he was a young player because um, he was suffering from malnutrition, and uh, there's a, a journalist who said that um, he's basically come from a very poor background and he had to be put on a, a special weight plan um, to get, basically get into a physical condition really to to be able to play football and to exceed his potential. Um, apparently, the area where he was born is one of the poorest um, in Colombia. There's kids dying of starvation there, limited access to clean water. Um, and they even nicknamed him Noodle, apparently, because of how thin he was, which is, you know, unbelievable. And to, you know, for anyone to have to go, go through that is, you know, it's horrible, obviously. But at the same time, it puts everything into perspective. And I just think that when you have someone who comes from that kind of background, they face so much adversity um, in their young life. Like, it really... The character that that leaves you with the resilience, um, I, I can only imagine is like a, a huge, it's a huge asset almost to have having a career because like you're able to I think deal with the the sort of ups and downs you know a lot easier and draw an extra source of motivation. Like it almost reminds me of you know you take Lewis Hamilton in F1 for example. He's you compare his background to a lot of the other drivers in there. You know they're coming from hugely wealthy families whereas he um has grown up in sort of in poverty really on, on like the poverty line in, in, in Stevenage and you know having to deal with sort of racism as well and the environment he's encountering and I think it's something he talks about a lot is how that kind of adversity has almost shaped him as as an athlete and 
has sort of, like I say, given them that extra source of of motivation um, during his career. And the, this Liverpool team is is characterised by humility and by hard work, and there's no sort of luxury about it, like, really, I'd say. So I think from that point of view, it's sort of character. I think it'll be someone who really forges a bond with the fans, and I think someone who, as sort of Chloe points out, will sort of give absolutely everything for us. And, you know... That's obviously just me kind of speculating about the connection that there might be there. But like I say, it was something that I think a few sort of outlets picked up on as kind of a probably a defining feature of his kind of his upbringing, really. And that's obviously something that's going to stay with you. But Dan, I'll let you sort of come in on this now. Obviously, you can talk about the football inside or maybe the off-field stuff if you want to. But what is it that has kind of most struck you? Yeah, I think the two really sort of equally salient points, to be honest with you. I think... It's a touch on the off-field side. You've kind of covered everything really well there, Dave, but it is sort of something that, I'm not going to say it's integral to the Liverpool side, but it tends to run through a, a fair majority of this Liverpool side. You look at Sadio Mane, obviously, he's come from sort of similarly humble beginnings and he's just so appreciative for everything and almost you know, the humility almost comes along with it. And everyone knows that clip where, I want to say Gini Wijnaldum gives him a new iPhone. He's just so grateful. And that does t- tend to reflect on their work on the pitch. And I think going back to the football point of view now for Diaz, a lot of the talk in the sign, obviously to play with immense quality, but a lot of the experts, you know, European football, Colombian, Portuguese, whatever it may be, they've all mentioned work rate. And I think we all look at this Klopp side and, you know, a huge part of it is the fact that everyone has to work, work to get the ball back, you know, work when they've got the ball, et cetera, et cetera. And it kind of runs from Klopp to Milner to Henderson, et cetera. And I think Luis Diaz is just going to fit straight into that seamlessly. And I think that's one of the big factors in us signing him. We don't really have luxury players, even Salah, who's probably the one people would accuse most of not putting the work rate in, puts the work rate in. So, I just can't see there being an issue with Diaz whatsoever doing that as well. And, you know, he, he Chloe touches on his stats this season. It looks like he's having an impact in, in essentially every game this year. And I know I kind of was a bit disparaging about the standard, but listen, it's a, it's a European top flight. He's done it in Copa America. He's doing it for Colombia anyway. You know, he, he's, he really is doing it. So it looks as though... You know, we've got him, we've plucked him at just the right time and he's just the right character for us. So it's hard not to be excited about what's to come. Chloe, did you have something you wanted to say on that? The only thing I was going to say is I remember we, we had the chat and you were talking about whether, you know, the, the Portuguese league was a good enough league to then instantly yeah. come into the Premier League. And I totally get that point. And we talked about him not really being a, like a superstar against us. Uh, in the two games that he's played, but the my my argument to this entire thing is, look at the teammates he'd be surrounded by at Liverpool. Look at the family environment. I mean, you've got James Milner there, who people can argue and 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 sit there and say he's the best, you know, free transfer going. Um, and you know he might not be the the best luxurious uh, luxurious footballer in the world. But my word, what he does for the team, he can pick out passes. He doesn't have those assists um, in the Champions League because he's not a good footballer. There's every single part of this team has quality everywhere. Everyone can do a bit of everything. Um, and if he's already putting stats up in that league, yeah, he's maybe not coming up against 
I mean, you th- obviously go to like the likes of Burnley. It's not easy to even face Burnley in this league. But you just think, how many chances is he going to get with the players around him? How many chances could he create by the players just having better movement than anyone he's ever played with? Um, and that's the thing that that makes me excited is the fact that this lad looks boss and yet he can do everything and he looks good. But these teammates around him are going to elevate him to the next level and they're going to give him the opportunities to even score tappings. No one cares as long as you get the ball in the back of the net. The movement's there. Um, and if he can understand the other two up top or, you know, the players around him and their movements and their runs and their timings, um, then, you know, he puts a good ball in the box and one of them is going to get on the end of it. And not only that, we've kind of already alluded to it on here in terms of the improvement that players have made once they've signed for Liverpool. Obviously, Dave touched on Manning and Salah. Jota, the same. They've they've gone on and on and on since joining. So if Luis Diaz can follow that same path, and there's absolutely no reason why he won't whatsoever, what we've seen and what we've heard is all true. And it's all, you know, it's all there. It's all proof of a player. But if that gets escalated over and over again, like we all expect it to, and then who knows? Obviously, we'll touch on, you know, with Dave in a minute in terms of was he the ideal signing and, you know, what he means for the rest of the side is something I'm willing to debate on, as we probably all know. But I'm made up he's come and it gives us serious strength and depth for the rest of this season. Um, what happens after that is a different story. But, um, but yeah, I'll let, you, I'll let you go on anyway, Dave. Yeah, well, just to touch on the uh, Portuguese, Portuguese League, first of all, before we uh, move it on a little bit, if you look at the actual uh, UEFA coefficient, um, at the moment it's the sixth best league in Europe. I was going to and say, if you six, look at, yeah. yeah, if you look at the points system that's been allocated, you've got the Prem on 99 at the top, Spain is second on 89, Italy on 72, then uh, Germany on 69, and there's a big drop off to 54 uh, for France, and Portugal's on 50, so. You know, you never know. Within within a few years at that rate, or maybe even less, you're talking about this being one of the the top five leagues potentially. If um, Portuguese, you know, teams um, can achieve in Europe and French teams continue to struggle, so you know, it's not like um, I don't think it's too huge a leap. And like you mentioned yourself, Dan, um, he's done it in the Champions League as well. Um, yeah. Maybe not so much against Liverpool, where he did it I against think, Man City. Know, yeah, he was all right against us, um, but um, against the sort of other teams in our group, and like you say, against Man City, he's um, he's really sort of been one of the stars of the show. So it's encouraging from that point of view. But if we think about what this signing means um, for Liverpool going forward, let's first talk about the next generation, if you like. So I'm going to read out an eleven of uh, Liverpool players who, who are 25 and under now. So you'd have Keller in goal, Trent, Canate, Gomez and Simakas um, as a back four, uh, Morton, Elliott and Jones as a midfield and Gordon, Jota and Diaz would be a front three. Chloe, I'll come to you. Is this Diaz signing really starting to bring the next generation Liverpool players into view almost? And are you looking at that team and thinking that that could be almost a, a starting side in a few years or does it still... Does it still need maybe a player like a, a Bellingham or obviously a Cavalio as well, who we'll touch on in a minute to sort of elevate it to the next level to sort of a title, uh, title worthy level? Yeah, I, I think it can go both ways here because 
I'm excited for the future when you read out that team. What I would say is, is these some of these lads are so young that anything could happen. I don't want to say it, but God forbid someone gets a serious injury. Who knows how they'd come back? Who knows how they'd de- like the Premier League is a different level. Um, we've seen Harvey Elliott do it. I, I'm assured that he'd be fine, but he's he's had an injury. Who knows? You know, I hope that's not a reoccurring theme throughout the rest of his Liverpool career. Because obviously it is it's the foot that he's um more strong, let's say, on. Um, you know, he's left footed. So um every shot, every turn, everything that he does, you know, basically comes off that foot, um, which he'd rather, you know, cut inside, which we've seen many a times from the right. Um, you've also said Gordon there, who who looks and is buzzed about, obviously, but he's a young lad. Um, his goal uh, against Shrewsbury was, I thought, was ridiculous. Feet inside the box, I think that's underrated. But he's still got time to learn and grow, and who knows what happens. Um, Morton looks like a superstar to me, but you don't know where he's, you know, he's going to be in a few years. So, if we go off the trajectory of these players look amazing, and we're looking at that, then yeah, um, I think it's really exciting. I think we need more players because you always need more players for me in the sense of squad depth, and you also. You don't want to take out a, a world-class player and have someone that hardly anyone's ever heard about who really isn't on the level to get you, obviously, a, a tra- Champions League or the Premier League title. So a couple more signings would be good. Um, obviously, you said Bellingham, which which would be brilliant. But uh, I like Curtis Jones as well. The back four, really happy with Callagher, absolutely adore. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's an exciting one. Um, you just hope that nothing goes wrong in these players' individual careers um, that could potentially put them off their trajectory. Or, you know, maybe there's, there's been several times. I mean, you look at Deli Ali now. At one stage, we literally thought he was going to set football. He was going to be one of England's best uh, youngsters ever. And at the time, he was one of the best. Now, for years, he's done nothing. Um, and that's the problem. You hope these players don't get to a point in their career where they kind of, they get lost or they get a bad injury, or maybe they're just not good enough in the end. Um, maybe it is too big of a stretch. So yeah, um, exciting. Hope they can stay on, uh, keep keep on improving because obviously uh, they're under Jurgen Klopp now, which sadly they won't be uh, several years down the line. Um, so you've also got to see how they how they deal with under different managers. Yeah, you're right. It's impossible to predict how the future will pan out. And I think the thing, another thing with that team is um, you're probably going to have a couple of veterans in there as well. You know, even if that was to sort of stay as a as a unit going forward, you'd have, you know, who knows, you know, goalkeepers like Allison can play um, well into their 30s, you know. So you'd probably have Salad in there until he's kind of 33, maybe even 34, I suppose, in, in an ideal world as well. So, you know, you're gonna have kind of different generations within a side, but I think you know, from my point of view, seeing that team, I would probably want you know one or two kind of more you know future stars or rising stars, if you like. Um, but it's encouraging to know that to have that sense that the succession planning is going on because really, when you look at the team now, a lot of them are sort of in their peak or slightly edging past it. So you do want that to know what the future looks like, but. Let's think more medium term now, I suppose, than long term. Uh, and let's think about Sadio Mane. And I want to touch on an article that Dan actually wrote for, for This Is Anfield, uh, where he made 
some points about this. So I'll read uh, verbatim from the article. So Dan writes that while much of Liverpool's recent business can be labelled as adept, astute and in certain quarters, perhaps rather frugal, a majority of the activity has been within the sell to buy mantra. If that was to remain the case and Salah was to sign a new deal as hoped, Mane as well as Firmino could see their chances of an extension on Merseyside fall by the wayside. So Chloe, I'll, I'll come back to you um, and then Dan, I'll, I'll give you a chance to obviously delve into this a little bit more. Um, there's two elements to the Sadio Mane situation here. There's that should Liverpool sell him maybe this summer um, when they can still have a good chance of getting some good money for him. And there's the will Liverpool sell him this summer. So I think we'll start with the, uh, let's start with, do you expect Liverpool to sell him this summer on the back of this move? Um, I want to say no, but I am attached to these players, so I'd be slightly biased. Um, for me now, maybe I could, I could see going to the likes of Barcelona, like we've spoken about before. Um, I absolutely adore the lad, though. I'd love nothing more for him to finish his career in Liverpool because he adores us just as much as we adore him. Um, one of the silkiest footballers I've ever seen on a football pitch, and he's still got it. It's just with injuries more. Um, creeping in this season uh, you wonder is his body keeping up with it and you're also wondering is he going to be sound to sit on a bench and be second choice to Jota because right now that's what it's like for me in my head um, Jota comes before Firmino on that team sheet and um, I, he's still good enough to go somewhere else and be someone else's first top striker so it's also based on what he thinks um, with Mane, I would not sell at all. Um, and the reasoning is, is at times this season, I've been really frustrated with him. And I think to myself, could he be on this, you know, downhill path? But I just don't think he is. There's something in Mane that makes me think he is constantly a threat in every single game. Um, just this pace alone, his name. Um, I mean, you see what he's doing for Senegal right now. It's like that Luis Diaz is signing's kicked him up the arse. And I think that's maybe what we needed. Um, because at times he's been too much in his head, his first touch has never been there. Um, he's still done unreal stuff. Like that that Chelsea opener is is unreal. And I think at the beginning of the season he was playing unreal, um, obviously because fans were back. Um, but the thing I think is these lads are bound to have a, a level of inconsistency somewhere when they've been at the top level for how long. Uh, hardly any breaks within that. They play pretty much every single game if they're available because they're literally the most important part. Um, so for me, I wouldn't sell them now um, because I think if, if you're getting rid of Roberto Firmino, who are you coming in to replace him? Um, Mane... Obviously, we've got Lewis Diaz, but I'd still want Mane. That's just, there's no two ways about that. So, for me, I wouldn't be selling anyone. I'd like them to get extensions if they could. If they were happy to sit there, and I think they could fight for the places still. Um, and, obviously, if I saw a bit of Firmino on that pitch, I'd, I'd be sound. I'd be well happy. Um, I, could, I know he, he's unreal. So, I'd like them to maybe, as as a Liverpool fan especially, I'd like them to finish their careers in, in Liverpool. And that's probably not going to happen um, because of the rage of them. Because I think I still think both of them probably can play till they're about 35 because they, they just, they probably think to themselves, they're that good and rightly so. Um, but I, I 
couldn't have the heart to sell them, to be honest, because I, I adore them and I still think there's players in both of them. Um, and I'd like them both to finish their careers in Liverpool because of what they've gave Liverpool Football Club for the past however many years. I, I'd probably echo that. I mean, the sentimental attachment is is huge, I think, not not only to them, but um, the whole team. Maybe there's something special really about that iconic front today, something that will certainly remember for, for decades, decades to come. But Dan, um, let's kind of switch over to you. Uh, you've sort of written in this article about the, the decent possibility now that that, that Mane might go. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I want to ask whether you think we should be looking at selling them from the point of view that we might be able to get, I mean, just to find some figures about, I mean, possibly somewhere in kind of the 50 million range, I would have thought, mm-hmm. uh, for them this summer. And if that is what is required to do business in maybe midfield and business in subsequent transfer windows, yeah. do you think that's something the club should be willing to do or, or should do? Well, that's, that's the point, isn't it, really? What you said there right at the end in terms of that's what's required to mean we continue doing business. Um, and I believe that is the case because that's how we've been run under FSG this entire time. Um, I think in an ideal world, you know, I love Sadio Mane. I love Roberto Firmino. What they've done for this football club as a front three with Salah has been absolutely superb. And they've given us all some wonderful moments and trophies. But unfortunately, I'm quite the optimist, as as you will attest to, Dave, in particular. But this isn't really pessimism on my point of view. This is just more realistic because we've all seen how this club has been run, like I say. And a signing like this, when it's in such direct competition with Mane, as Luis Diaz says, like he's not a player that really plays across the front line. He is very much a left winger. Um, and you, with the contracts being as they are in terms of having probably less than 18 months now, you have to bear in mind that the club will be looking at that situation. And I just don't see a world whereby all three of them get offered extensions. Um, I don't see Mane being happy to play second fiddle particularly. I just don't see that being a role he'd be willing to accept. Um, I don't see him, I explained in the article more, I don't see him being moved positions because he, he very rarely has gone central and obviously we've got Firmino and Jota. On the right is Mohamed Salah, <laughs> need I say more? Um, so I think you know the realistic Liverpool fan in me and knowing what this club have done uh, in the past would suggest that this summer could be the time we cash in. Now I do hope I'm wrong. I'd love nothing more than Mane to go, you know what? No, I'm going to fight for my place and rest and rotate like City and like Chelsea do. I just don't see how that happens whilst we continue to invest. And I'd love to be wrong. I genuinely would because Chloe alluded to it a minute ago. Mane's form hasn't been of old, in my opinion. Um, But he does still look like he's lacking in that little bit of cutting edge and confidence. And maybe this Diaz signing will reignite him. We've seen it for Senegal a little bit. And I hope for the rest of the season, we can get the best Sadio Mane and the best Luis Diaz and just have a wonderful time. What that means in terms of the... We're seeing the club now almost struggling to get the Salah contract over the line. And that seems like an absolute no-brainer. So to throw Mane and Firmino into that same mix... We're not going to let them go on a free, are we? I think that's pretty much off the table. Um, I just don't see a world whereby that happens. You mentioned 50 million there for Sadio Mane. 
it would be bad business to allow a fifty million pound asset to leave the club for free. We did it with Gina Wijnaldum, but that was probably more like twenty thirty million potentially. Sadio Mane is still a prized asset. I don't see how we let that happen. So it's a very complex situation. You know, it's one that I got minorly lambasted for because you know you can't really discuss these sort of things. But I honestly believe it's a pragmatic and realistic and also not very nice discussion because we all love Sadio Mane. We all love Roberto Firmino. But there has to be uh, a turnover at some point. We have to cut ties at some point. And with the contract situations as they are, I fear, and you know, there's a possibility it could be this summer. So yeah, that's where I'm at with it. I'm beginning to think we should have done this as sort of a, a debate episode almost. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll, let, I'll let you come come back in on this in, in a second, Chloe. But just one thing I want to say quickly before and is it's interesting because we find ourselves now in the centre forward and left wing positions, at least in a similar position to City and Chelsea, I, I would have thought, in terms of having two quality options for yeah. each. And obviously that is an, an enviable position. And it's it's nice to be able to have that for is, yeah. the, rest, the rest of the season at least. But it's it's a different way of thinking that we have because, like you say, Dan, of the way our club's been run, it's almost like not kind of almost basking in the depth that we have, but thinking, you know, what does this mean? Who's gonna who, who's gonna go now? We can definitely enjoy it for the next few months. I know Chloe wants to come in, but I think I touched on in the article. We can absolutely relish it and just bask in the glory of having all these options and watch them rotate because Luis Diaz realistically isn't going to get thrown in the deep end by Klopp because it's not something he's done very often with new signings. Yeah. So we've got seven senior attacking options. You could throw Kay Gordon into the mix if you want and Harvey Elliott. I haven't even included them. So let's absolutely love it between now and the end of the season because high quality options are everywhere, which is perfect. I'm so happy. But... In the summer, what comes next? That's what's up for debate, in my opinion. I oh, just want to ask you, Chloe, actually, um, just to wrap up the section, obviously you'll I'll be able to respond as well to what Dan's been talking about. But um, obviously we saw Robertson uh, really take his form up a notch when it looked like his place in the side was beginning to get a bit vulnerable, or certainly we thought it might um, because of the form Simicast was in. Do you think that if Mane was to his height and we've seen what he's been doing at AFCON where he might end up being player of the tournament um, if Mane was, was to do that then the club could actually have second thoughts and maybe if it's a choice between say Mane and Firmino to go um, it might be you know, Firmino that goes or they might reassess their plans Yeah for sure, I think the thing that I think of is, I think Dan mentioned that Mane wouldn't like to be sitting on the bench being second but I don't think he would be second, especially not for the rest of the season I reckon Diaz has to come in and fight for his place. It's not the other way around. And the reason why is because we have seen it so many times. Jürgen Klopp is so loyal to his players that sometimes it can frustrate football fans uh, and Liverpool fans at times because even when they're in kind of not the greatest run of form, he'll consistently play them. And you've got someone on the bench who might be a superstar who might come on and, you know... um, in a game, when they come on, they might do something unreal and you sat there like, why couldn't they have started from the beginning? Um, and that's that's just what happens. And I think Mane, because of what he's done for the club, is first choice, even with the Diaz signing. Um, he's not obviously going to put him in, you know, straight away because he likes to let the, the, the players adapt um, and the players have got to get used to his, his style of play anyway. 
Um, but I truly think that it could make Mane play a bit better. I think for for a couple of years we've thought Mane's been very much in his head, and we thought with fans back it would be less that case, and it has been less of that. But it still looks like he might have been in his head. I don't think he has the option to do, to do that now because he knows his place is up for grabs. So, you know, it's more instinct now. So hopefully he can get back to that because, you know, so many times running through on goal, um, you you bet your house on him scoring or him taking someone on and beating them. And sometimes he hasn't done that this season. Um, and it's been quite frustrating watching him at times. But I think with the pressure of someone else's, you know, can come and take your space at any moment. Um, maybe instinct will come back into it. He'll get the ball at his feet and he'll just know exactly what to do again. Um, and I, I just think Manny's unbelievable and he has these moments where he can be unbelievable. Um, and he's shown it for years. Um, same same with the other two. And I think Firmino's more likely to leave maybe. And I say I'd offer them maybe a year or two more for the main reason of I'm a Liverpool fan and I absolutely adore these two lads. Um, and also, what we're not taking into consideration is, and it's probably not a good uh, thing to think about in the sense of the last time we won it, we spent hardly anything. But you earn near 200 million alone from like winning the Champions League. If we can win trophies, the money comes in there. And yet our board and our owners can be a bit stingy with money. But if we're winning stuff and, you know, we can create it like surely our owners are sat there thinking okay we're gonna have to rebuild now because everyone's getting in the 30s you've got to rebuild somewhere if we're still winning now and we're still earning money that means we can put the money into the rebuild and then we can continue winning so you're always going to get money and you're going to get money until you need to reinvest in players or get a our player here and there for squad depth and maybe us winning the big trophy isn't challenging and earning a lot of money. I mean, think how much we earn from advertisement. I think that the year we won the league, it, not the league, the Champions League, I think we won something like 400 million just from advertisements alone and TV stuff. Like, that's a ridiculous amount of money. Um, and also, you've got to think of the likes of Takumi Minamino, Divock Origi, what happens to Nico Williams, um, Alex Oxley, Chamberlain, Naby Keita, Jordan Henderson. Do it, like, there's so many players in our in our team now who... Some of them are not necessarily, you know, they've kind of not had the greatest time at Liverpool. Some of them are coming to the end. Um, some of them want first team places and you can get money from there. Um, but also winning stuff earns a lot, a lot of money. And if the club realise that we're, we have to rebuild because I've, like people are getting late into their 30s and if we start rebuilding now ahead of time, by the time that all these people then retire or move on to different clubs, we'll still have the basic foundation to go and win things. So you need to keep that up because if you don't, then you fall off a cliff and you don't you don't end up back at the top. You've got to spend years and years rebuilding again. And we've got the manager there who's came in and rebuilt us once and he'll do it again before he goes. So um, I, I truly think, yeah, we've always been the philosophy of earning money, but we can earn money other ways. We can do it by winning things. You know what? That's a that's actually a really good point. There are alternative sources of money. I think the only the only thing I would say is, you know, you've got, you know, maybe things like having to pay, you know, there's big Bonus. uh, bonuses built into the contracts, isn't there? But I I do think you are but, right, broadly right, Chloe. Insofar as are. it would probably be outweighed by the the prize money and things like that. 
Yeah, just to say as well, though, unfortunately, you know, in terms of finances, we are coming out the back of, obviously, we've had a full season, our fans back in the stadium, but 18 months without that, which was a huge hit financially. I think Liverpool's finances come out in sort of the next couple of months. So there'll be an interesting read just to see exactly where we are at in terms of, you know, especially with the contract stuff coming around the corner. But just to finish, yeah, like I say, I hope we do keep them both. I hope we offer all three of them contract extensions. Um, do I think that'll happen? Probably not. It could be Firmino that goes because his injuries have started to creep in a little bit more regularly now. So there's another option. But yeah, it'll be interesting regardless. Yeah, that, that'll kind of do us for now on, on Diaz because obviously we've spoken about the implications that sign in a lot of depth. We were going to move on to Cavalio, but we'll circle back around to that because we are sort of ticking up towards an hour. Um, so we'll come on to him in a second because we're going to give sort of a grade for the, the transfer window as a whole. Uh, but first, I want to touch on the two outgoings that we saw on deadline day. Um, Dan, I'll let you take Phillips and then, Chloe, you can give your verdict on, on Williams. Uh what did you think of that one? Phillips to Bournemouth. Um, maybe not kind of the move we were anticipating for him. No, not at all. Um, I'm somewhat baffled as to why um, Premier League clubs, particularly Premier League clubs fighting for their lives, didn't uh, have a go on that Phillips. I don't understand. Um, obviously, he played Premier League football with us last season. He played, obviously, in Germany as well. Um, played Champions League, so there's experience there. Um, and he, he's the sort of defender, and this is no disrespect whatsoever, that when you are fighting for your life and you want someone to defend, he is the, the perfect man for that job. Um, so I was a little bit surprised, actually. And the fact that he's gone to um, a Bournemouth side, they're obviously pushing for promotion, which is no harm in that. But the fact they're ball playing Bournemouth side is also a little bit surprising. Um, but yeah, listen, he needed to play football, didn't he? I, much respect for the fella. He stuck around for the first six, seven months of this season, just in case, because obviously we had a lot of players coming back from injury. Um, so massive credit to him for doing that. Even more credit to him for what he did last season. He's the person, alongside others, Reese Williams included, who got us into the Champions League. We wouldn't be having many of these conversations that we do about quadruples, etc. if it wasn't for Nat Phillips. Let's be clear about that. Um, but he deserves to play football. Um, my only sort of negative on his loan move was, in my opinion, he deserves to play Premier League football and not Championship. I agree with that. And uh, sometimes Liverpool put a price tag on a player. Like I remember in the past, I've been talking sort of 20 mil for Origi and things like that. And I think to myself, you know what, we are being a bit greedy there. Um, it might be unrealistic. But to me, 15 million seems perfectly reasonable for a player who has played in the Champions League and has played at a good level for us in the Premier League. Um, and I agree with you, Dan, in that I think he's there's a lot of Premier League teams who he'd improve. So, just to say on that, Dave, sorry as well, yeah. just to say on that, we obviously seen, and you mentioned Dozan Kabak last week in terms of underrated, but we seen them both at a similar time last season. Now, Ozan Kabak is obviously at Norwich now. Out of those two, I'm just thinking about Premier League teams that could have took a, pump, a punt on that Phillips. Would you have Kabak or Phillips at the back? Difficult, but uh, I think I would have gone for Kabak just because I think he's he's a little bit younger, isn't he? Um, he is, yeah, but I'm talking about the, the, more the situation them sort of teams are in right now, Norwich included, Burnley, East oh, in terms of relegation threatened Yeah, teams. where they are right now, yeah. You Burnley know, and Newcastle, I'm really surprised. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I'm really surprised those two teams haven't gone for them. Uh, 
to be honest. Uh, I think Newcastle have went for for Ben, who's a good player, but similar amounts of money to what they would have paid for Phillips. I, I, to me, there's there's not much in that. I think uh, Ben probably maybe be a little bit better distribution wise, but Phillips is is all right with that. I mean, he can play some decent long passes. Um, so yeah, either with that fifty million price tag. They don't think he's worth that much and we're maybe a bit blinkered or whatever because we're Liverpool fans or they can't afford it. Probably a bit of both. But uh, yeah, it did surprise me, to be honest. I think the reason he's made the move is, like you touched on, Dan, we've looked at it and thought it's deadline day. We don't really have any other options at this stage. We're not going to sell him um, on the cheap. He's only signed a new contract last summer. Um, let We owe it to him. It's a sort of matter move. We've barely used him the whole season. He, you know, has contributed significantly for us last year. Uh, so I just look at it and think it's an unreal coup for Bournemouth. Hopefully we can cash in in the summer. But it did shock me because he's better than that. You know, I know they're a promotion chasing team and he might end up there going forward if they do come up. But yeah, better than Bournemouth for me. I mean, there was clubs, you know, just look how well he played in the San Siro. That is not, a, he's not a championship player. Like, say what you want about is maybe lack of modern skills or anything like that but i refuse to accept that he's um that that's his level but yeah let's talk about another player who went to the championship chloe in uh in neko williams do you think he uh do you think would you agree that it's sort of similar to phillips in that he deserves better than to be playing championship football albeit for the team who looks like the best in the second tier probably yeah but i think also i think sending them to to Fulham is probably a good aim because we didn't manage to get the Carvajal uh, deal done and I think the thing with that is um, I don't want to say we bullied Fulham but we did try and get the kid for a reduced price and Fulham was saying no this or nothing and uh, we didn't match what they wanted until the last couple of hours of the, the transfer window so I think maybe sending them there is also a, a thing of well we've done this for you um, and we've made sure that that gets through, even though we knew that we couldn't get the player off you. So let's make sure that in the summer, um, you know, you send us that player that we want and, you know, you don't let him go out anywhere and you do it for a reasonable price. So I think with Nico Williams, there's sort of more to it in the sense of it's also to make good connections at Fulham and stay in the good books. Because um, even with Harvey Elliott, I think there was some like, you know, it wasn't brilliant, the, the negotiations between us all. Um, and there was cracks in it. So, um, Nico Williams, yeah, probably deserves better, but we'll do a decent job for them and it'll be good. Um, because there's loads of people out there who think he's not good enough. And there's loads in the last couple of weeks who've realised there's, there's full potential and seeing him that he's a decent player. So, let's go and see how he does there. And then, you know, when he comes back to us, um, we can then decide because... For all we know, he, he might do superb there. He might not. You just never know. He doesn't play regular football enough to, to go and see. Um, he's not like Nat Phillips, where we actually saw him game in, game out every week. Um, he's a player that comes in here and there with a team that, you know, um, he hasn't got no rhythm with. So getting him good rhythm, seeing how he plays will be good. Um, could have gone somewhere else, but maybe a bigger team in the sense of playing a, a better level of football. But um, at the same time, I don't think Fulham is that bad um, because they could potentially come up as well. So, uh, yeah, m- more of a good aim than to, to, to Fulham to basically say, we're still in for your player. You better give us it. Yeah, then 
they were saying like oh it's it's nothing to do with their Cavalier move and stuff but I agree with you I think that it is Liverpool being clever and sweetening relations between the two clubs and they're not they're not obviously going to publicly say we're using Echo Williams as a pawn to get Fabio Cavalier because that's just obviously not the way you, you treat particularly young players um this one was one that I thought was questionable from the club I think the strides he's taken this season mean that we arguably should have kept hold of him um He's, he's further down the line development-wise than than Bradley. And I think you could make the case that he's a better backup right back for Trent than Milner and Gomez. So I think it's questionable. And uh, I just hope that I think he'll, both players are going to shine in the championship. I think if the clubs come up, um, we'll see. There's, there's a strong likelihood that they'll, they'll pay to make the deals permanent, even if there isn't like a, an option in the deals. What I would say is I think a lot of people, even on Twitter... We were all shocked that it had been done because it, it didn't even like you had the the hour after where people could sign or whatever if you'd put in, you know, those request forms. But like it came out of the blue to me because I wanted to keep hold of Nico Williams anyway. I didn't want him to go. But if it meant getting this other lad, you know, maybe we could put him out on loan and see how he does. But for me, he is second to Trent. That's just how it is for me. I don't think Connor Bradley think he's a good prospect and he could be something brilliant but I think he's not quite there yet Nico Williams for me is just he's done it before he's a bit more relaxed in that position um he's, he's he doesn't panic on the ball as much and that just comes with time of course um but I I was truly shocked when I saw that Nico Williams had gone I did think to us to us like what the hell have we done like why have we done that um, but then obviously people had said, oh, you know, to keep good relations with Fulham. And I was like, OK, maybe. Yeah, that's the thing. There's, you know, there's a few factors at play here. But uh, yeah, I agree with you. I think it's a bit of a, maybe a slightly unnecessary risk. And with that in mind, let's kind of wrap up the transfer window with the grade. Obviously, there was the Cavalio deal as well, which we haven't really had time to get into. But the gist of it was Liverpool tried to get it done before the deadline, simply ran out of time with it. And now you just wonder if other clubs basically abroad who we were trying to get to jump on uh, by agreeing it before the January deadline, whether those clubs are going to be able to maybe swoop in and, and tempt Cavalio to, to sign with them. Hopefully, from, from that point of view, Klopp has already kind of captured them, um, as uh, we've seen with, with other players in the past. So, given that it's a little bit up in the air now in terms of where he ends up, we might have missed out on one target. Obviously, we signed a, a bigger high-profile target or so someone who's at a different stage of his career in Diaz. Um, and we did those two deals for for Phillips and Williams, which I think Chloe and I both agreed that Williams' one was a little bit questionable. Um, let's put a grade on on the business overall. I'll go first. I would say that you know the Diaz deal immediately puts it an A+, and then not getting Cavalio and the Williams deal for me will put it down to an A minus because it's still in the A bracket for me because of this brilliant sign and that's come out of the blue. But, uh, you know, one or two very minor frustrations in comparison would drag it down a little bit for me. What about you, Dan? Um, yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Um, obviously, the Carvalho situation looks like it, it could get unnecessarily messy in the summer, which is something we try to avoid by getting it rubber stamped um, in January. All the indications are that the deal would get done anyway, but it did put a bit of a dampener on the window as a whole. I was, you know, I was uh, overjoyed 
and when it looked like the deal might go through and then gutted when it didn't. So I think I'd be with you. I might even verge towards a B, to be honest with you, because although I'm delighted with the Diaz deal, um, the Carvalho one would have really yeah, ticked it off nicely. So, yeah, I think I'd go with a B, to be honest, because similar to you guys, I'm not convinced by the Williams or Phillips locations or the fact that we let Williams go. So, yeah, a B for me. Just a B, no B+. plus. Just a flat B. Oh, wow. Harsh, <laughs> harsh market over there. Um, Chloe, what are you saying? Um, I've gone with you. Well, I was going to give A, but then I remembered Nico Williams. So I'll give uh, A minus because I expected absolutely not. And we've got what looks to be a superstar. So for me, it can only ever be in the A blockers when out of the blue, you get a player who you never would have got. Um, had it not been for other people trying to push for them as well. So, yeah. It turned out from being, I, mean, I remember a couple of weeks ago when we sat here and we were like, nothing's going to happen. Like, we'll bet our houses on that. And it's a, it's a nice surprise. So, yeah, I'll give it an A minus. That's the thing, isn't it? You know, we did dream January transfer windows and the reason it was dream was because we thought it was kind of outside the, the realms of realism that we were going to do anything. Because that was the noises we were hearing from the journalists. Um, in large part, they were kind of, playing down expectations but let's move away from transfers the last portion of the podcast and talk about the fourth round FA Cup tie against Cardiff on Sunday at 12 um it's not the best kickoff time I don't think but um it'd be nice to see Liverpool come back anyway after this after after this break so we'll talk about who we want to see play um and you know we won't do like a full preferred lineup for this one we'll just kind of throw throw some names out there We'll start with uh, the injured players first of all, then we'll talk maybe about Diaz. So, Dan, would you be starting Thiago and Elliot? Obviously, Elliot played in a friendly before the uh, the international mm-hmm. break or in the early stages of it, maybe last weekend. Uh, Thiago's back in full training we had last yeah. night. So, are you starting them? Are you bringing them on? Are you leaving them out still? How are you going to play it? Um, I may as well just cut to the chase. My dream scenario for this match is obviously we're cruising it with like 25, half an hour to go. And Harvey Elliott, Thiago and Luis Diaz all enter the fray in one fell, glorious swoop. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't start any of them. I don't think Diaz is, is a chance to start in. Um, and I'm not convinced the other two are either. Obviously, Thiago returned to training yesterday. Harvey Elliott's been back a little while. Don't see him getting thrown into this match from the outset. So yeah, all three of them to come on would be pretty pretty perfect for me yeah i straight up agree with that i'd be giving them 30 minutes as far as i'm aware you get five subs in the fa cup um so it should be easy enough i'll be doing like a schedule change regardless of what the score is really um chuck the three of them on um you know you want you don't want to rush them back especially tiago given his history and and i'm elliot as well given the severity of of the injuries you don't want to throw them in at the deep end and risk kind of um, a setback, I suppose, but you do want them to get ahead of you know this busier period of fixtures. Now you want them to get what you know Klopp talks about all the time, and that, and that's rhythm. Um, and I think he can use the FA Cup to his advantage in that respect. So I'm kind of along your lines of thinking. What about you, Chloe? Um, for the overall team, or just the the three that we've mentioned that were coming back, or well, well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, just. Let us know what you want to do with with that trio, I suppose, and then yeah, who who would you like to see beyond beyond those three? 
you know, who, who are you hoping to see get a game on Sunday? I'm hoping at least all three are on the bench, even Diaz. I'd like him to just be on the bench because his name gets read out and I can deal with that. Um, if he doesn't come on, he doesn't come on, it's fine. Um, but I I actually want to see more of our, like, maybe first team kind of players because they've had this long week off and then to go straight into a, a Premier League uh, game, the intensity, you've got to get up to speed. Uh, all of these players have been on holiday and doing everything else, so I wouldn't I wouldn't mind them, you know, um, playing. So like, you know, I think you Gomez can play. Who's you know maybe Canate on there. It's Mikas for sure. Um, then your midfield, it's a bit of a you know, can is Cater sound to play? He came back. Um, you Jones kind of throw him in there. Henderson maybe because I feel the only thing with Henderson is I always want to want me captain there, but I also think he is one of them that needs some minutes to then obviously get into the the swing of it all again. Um, because all like these players have been on holiday and yet they'll have been doing the fitness programmes and stuff. But um, it's very different from them going into a game. So hopefully it'll be a relaxed game for them where they won't get out of like second gear. But it's just some minutes in the tank. Um, obviously Gordon, everyone likes to see Gordon. Maybe for me, you know, even at this point, because I want Jota to start in the Premier League. Um, but Jota could play on the left as well. So um, I want a mixture of young talents and also, obviously, um, people on the bench who you could say could challenge for first-team spots. And then some of your first-team players who uh, haven't obviously played in a while and might need some minutes in the legs just to get ready to go. Yeah, I'd be thinking along kind of similar lines, I suppose. I think... You make a good point about bringing those players back into the fold who've had, you know, been in Dubai or whatever, um, to, so they're not going in cold for that for that Leicester match. Uh, I'd probably avoid the the Brazilians. I think possibly with the exception of Firmino, but definitely probably Allison and Fabinho. I'd, I'd leave out for this one. Obviously, they've still had kind of an international break, and I think that's probably something to consider with Diaz as well. Actually, he's obviously played twice for Colombia, so. Might have a little bit of, of tiredness there, a knock or, or something like that. So you, that's probably something you consider. But um, Minamino's been playing internationals as well, but maybe I'd be throwing him in because I don't think he's, it's going to be too many opportunities for him uh, outside of the cup, of the FA Cup, really, until the end of the season uh, with, with Diaz coming in. Um, so, yeah, for me, players like Keller, I'd be starting. Bradley's probably be playing at right back, definitely. Uh, Gomez, I'd like to see you get a game for sure. Simakas, because uh, he didn't play any of the three, I think, before the internationals, which was a little bit surprising. Um, Keita in midfield, it'd be great to see him play, uh, as well. And I think you, yeah, Kate Gordon, another chance for him. And you're probably gonna have to play a couple of the the established players, aren't you, in there? Um, for the reasons you kind of stated, Chloe. And yeah, let's uh, finish off on Cardiff then. Dan, what about you? Yeah, very similar to us. I think Naby Keita's a really good shout. Um, obviously, he's been back um, back around for a couple of weeks now with Guinea being knocked out of AFCON relatively early. Um, I think we'll see Canate start alongside Gomez. Um, but yeah, it's sort of a mixed match. I don't think we'll see the Brazilians um, for exactly the reasons you stated. Um, but yeah, it'd just be nice to see Diaz, wouldn't it, off the bench? I know you obviously touched upon his international duty, but you know he'll be chomping at the bit to get a game 
Liverpool's his new club, they'll be relishing the opportunity to be at Anfield. So hopefully that happens. But generally speaking, yeah, I wouldn't be taking too many risks in this game um, because I actually think Cardiff will have other priorities themselves. Obviously, you know, it's a big occasion for them um, being a second-tier side right now, coming to Anfield and what have you. But they're looking over the shoulders in a relegation battle, more importantly, in the Championship. So I'm not convinced they'll go full tilt at this one either. So we might get away with an even heavily more rotated side in terms of your Gordons and seeing Connor Bradley at right back, etc. So not that there's anything wrong with that, but you know, we might not need to be as strong as we could be even. So, yeah, it's all good, though. Yeah, you'd fully expect us to, you know, find it easy enough, even with a lot of changes, really. And, uh, yeah, it'd be nice to see uh, Diaz come on and potentially get a goal. You can imagine what the uh, the Cardiff right back would, would think about maybe seeing him come on after uh, 60 minutes of, you know, scrambling around. But, uh, yeah, if we win... I'm, fairly sure that the fifth round is the last 16 so all of a sudden one win here and then two more wins and you're back at Wembley again so good opportunity for us with uh, the draws again being being decent so yeah that is going to wrap us up um, we've nearly done an hour 20 now we'll be back um, next week after this game and after the, the Leicester game in the Premier League and the, the Burnley game will be coming up on the horizon after that but before we go I'll just give uh, Chloe and Dan the opportunity for for final thoughts, Chloe? Yeah, not much. Just really looking forward to it. Um, it feels like the eve of the season um, just because of a, a new sign and everything. So, um, massive, massive month we've got ahead of us, including a league final at the end of it. So, everyone, let's just be positive and get right up for it and support the Reds. Yeah, we can definitely get behind that message. And Dan, have you got a Nice little motivational one as well. Not quite as motivational as that, but yeah, I echo those thoughts. It, it is a big month coming up. Obviously, the Champions League returns as well this month. So, you know, with the strength and depth we suddenly have, with players returning left, right and centre, you know, these are the good times. So, let's get behind them. And, you know, these are the months we tend to come out of really well and relish. So, yeah, this is it for us now. This is make or break. So, yeah, let's have it. Absolutely. Um so yeah, that is gonna that is gonna do us for this week. Remember to give us the uh, five star rating on Spotify if you can, and um, a positive review on any other podcast providers you might use. So yeah, that's gonna do us for episode fifty two. We'll see you um, towards the end of next week. Until then, take care.